Hi, I'm Dan from Brooklyn, New York. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, please visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of It's the sound of young America from MaximumFun.org. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, we're live on tape from the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City and Sketchfest NYC. Because I'm the host of the show, of course, the job of introducing Zay Frank falls to me. You might call him a video blogger, but he hasn't posted a video blog in quite some time. You might call him a blogger, but he doesn't really do a lot of blogging. Mostly what he does is a sort of internet fun time thing. Maybe a sample from his internet show, The Show, will help. This segment is called Fingers in Food. If you're a longtime fan, it's good to have you back. And if you're a new viewer, welcome to Fingers in Food. In the last show, we spent a fair amount of time with the exotic fruits, especially that cactus pear. And I want to thank the viewers that wrote in for reminding me that some of the easier-to-come-by fruits can be just as enjoyable. A lot of people overlook the banana, but it's nice. A little slimy, doesn't have the delicacy of a guava, but it'll do in a pinch. Going back to basics means going back to basics with the tools you use as well. It turns out that little devil you call a potato peeler has a few more tricks up its sleeve. That apple you've been eyeing for weeks is no match to a simple push and twist. If you approach at the right angle, even the pitted fruits with their nasty little secrets inside can become one of the highlights of your evening. And boy, does the hard work pay off. Join us next time for soft Italian cheeses. This is Zay with Fingers in Food. Hi, say, how are you? Good. <laughs> I didn't realize behind-the-scenes radio was so exciting. Yeah, I know. All the crazy stuff. For those of you who are out there listening in our radio audience, man, is there exciting stuff going on that you can't hear. That was a dinosaur. You can't see it, but... I promise you it was there. So I, the natural thing, as I was writing your introduction, I ended up with Internet Fun Things, but I wasn't really sure what, what to describe the things that, that you've made over the years. And I thought, maybe it's a kind of a cliched interview question, but when you're like at a cocktail party and you have a Morocco or a shaker in your hand... Um, he didn't really have one. Just for the radio audience, he didn't really have one on the end. That was the mariachis. Um, uh, what do you What do you tell people? Like, what do you tell people you do? Like, somebody says, like, so you're you're a cool guy. What do you do? Wow, that doesn't happen very often. But uh, I, uh, well, you know, there there's sort of different segments of what I do. But online, you know, I got I, I sort of got started in a very unusual way, which was uh, something that I made in 2001 uh, went viral. Uh, which was called How to Dance Properly. And, and uh, I became a, sort of a traffic whore, <laughs> you know, completely obsessed with, with, with that sort of attention. Um, and, and I kind of uh, just started making stuff to, to try to regain that, that, that initial spike. And in fact, I've, I've never been able to, to regain anything close to that. 
But, you know, as a result, I just kind of started playing across the spectrum with, with uh, video and with uh, um, games and toys and, and eventually got into these almost, I would call them almost internet icebreakers. So participatory projects where people can, uh, you know, do things and, and, and uh, you know. <laughs> You're stepping on my foot! <laughs> anyway, the mariachis are having a fight. <laughs> The first piece you made was basically you embarrassing yourself by dancing in ridiculous ways in a tiny web video that was intended originally for like a dozen people or two dozen people that you were inviting to your birthday party, but quickly was, you know, a million people or something like that. That's a very different thing than the kind of participatory things that you did often on the show. When did you when did you uh, get this idea that maybe instead of just making a fun web game or a fun little thing that somebody can look at, you should make a fun thing that somebody can be part of? Well, I think you know, I, I, it's probably around the time that I stopped having new ideas. You know, <laughs> it's a. Uh, uh, it, you know, there, there was this, there was this amazing turn, uh, you know, in, in sort of around 2003, where it became very obvious that the, the, the web wasn't just a, a publishing platform; it was a participatory platform as well. You know, and and so you know, you uh, you could provide sort of uh, little areas where people would do the work for you, and you could take the credit for it. It's called Web 2.0. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I started launching these, you know, a series of these kind of uh, little contests. One was called When Office Supplies Attack. And I had people uh, send me pictures of themselves being attacked by office supplies. Another one was called Toilet Paper Fashion. Uh, and sort of, uh, you know, there was a whole kind of series of these sort of rule-based things. Uh, and, and at the same time, I, was kind of st- I started uh, experimenting with making little applications that allowed people to draw and, and, and do, uh, do that sort of thing. And so the show was really a culmination of the kind of entertainment side of what I was doing plus the, the participatory side. The show, which uh, ended, what, I guess about a year ago? Now, a little, yeah, a little like more that. than a year. Yeah, um, it, this was uh, uh, one of the first great successes of the world of video blogs. And for I'm, the purposes of this conversation, I'll agree <laughs> with you. Okay. <laughs> um, you didn't have to say it. I said it for you. Um, uh, was that always the principle that this was going to be a way to engage people in a dialogue rather than uh, a way to present things to people? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you. It, it kind of came out of a conversation that I was having uh, with with a television, you know, company. Uh, it was called, uh, well, Fremantle. They're very one of the largest sellers. I think they're now part of Endemol or some weird thing like that. But the idea, you know, I was I was talking to them about, you know, the the future of television, and I was like, well, it, you know, you have to be faster and reactive, and you should, you know, it should be conversational in some sort of a way. And they were like, well, you know, you know, show me some good stuff that's out there that's doing that. And I and I couldn't really, I I could find there's a lot of there were a lot of really interesting small projects, but I couldn't find a format that really committed to it. And and so uh, yeah, I just I literally just started the camera rolling one day, and you know, I started with a song. I mean, I just. I just started, you know, sports races, racing sports. What is your power move? Didn't mean anything, right? But I figured, you know, the great thing about a conversation is, you know, the other side sort of like fills in the gaps for you. And, uh, and, they, and they did. And, you know, I... That's I usually how I conduct a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say some nonsense phrases and see what happens. <laughs> uh, anyways, a turbo duck... <laughs> and lollipop, <laughs> and we went on for hours. But the uh, you know, but 
and, 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 you know, I was sort of grasping. The only thing that I really knew is that it was going to be short, and I really didn't have an, uh, much of an expectation about the audience size. But so I grasped, you know, like, you know, news changes every day, so I could talk about the news, but I, I didn't really know where it was going. And, and very quickly, the audience kind of latched on it. I started responding to, to comments that they, uh, that they were leaving, but not, not in that sort of, like, uh, you know, just question-answer format, but, you know, letting it sort of inspire yet a, a new kind of uh, angle. So fingers and food, that, <laughs> that particular thing, the, the show became this weird insular conversation with, you know, what was perceived as a sort of tight-knit uh, community. The sports so racers. That was the, the, the a New York Times article just came out, and, and uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's going to change because there will be new people. So that was the first of a series uh, of, of shows which were called Are the New Viewers Gone Yet, where I would, <laughs> I would purposefully make shows that were awful in some sort of a way. I, I, that was actually the second one. And the first one it was right after the New York Times article, but the first half of the show was called These Brooklyn Stairs. <laughs> and it was kind of like a documentary on the different stairs, uh, you know, and, and like a fixer-upper uh, stair. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Internet superstar Zay Frank. We'll have more with Zay in just a minute. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is my second base guarantee. Listen to my show, The Sound of Young America, then go on a date and tell your date about what you learned from the show, about Henry Rollins or comedy or the history of lobotomies or whatever. I personally guarantee that you will make it to second base with your date. Let's see Ira Glass make a promise like that. It's the Sound of Young America from Public Radio International. Welcome back to the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Internet super celebrity Zay Frank. As somebody who doesn't have, uh, you know, there's there's not a person above you demanding a new thing for ZayFrank.com, and uh, you know the only the only demands are God. From, okay, sure. Besides God, sorry. Since there's no one, since the only person making demands of you is your higher power, how do you? It's Eskimo kisses. Let the record reflect that Zay Frank is Eskimo kissing the microphone. Um, was it in part a way to structure yourself so that there was this external demand that uh, generated, you know, like this immediate need to make a new idea every day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's a huge benefit of that kind of, you know, arbitrary imposition. And, 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 it, and it definitely helped. I mean, I was, I, you know, I, I had, by that point, uh, ZayFrank.com was this massive uh, collection of toys and writings and videos that were non-connected. They were, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to make next, and it was, it was very kind of uh, loose. And so th- it, was, it was a really wonderful chance to, to, to really, uh, you know, hone that in. And it's funny, after I, you know, stopped the show, uh, I was like, you know, that, I'm never going to do anything like that again. But certainly I'm starting to yearn for that kind of uh, architecture again. That's what I was wondering. I mean, you commit yourself early on to this defined space. And, uh, you know, it daily, even over the course of a relatively short period, like a year, like, that's still a lot of intense focus on this task. What was it like when it ended? It was, it was, 
it, it took a really, you know, a, a few months for me to sort of realize what had happened. I mean, it was definitely a relief because that home stretch, you know, around the middle of the show, I realized that, you know, the the cha- the aspects of the show that were sort of the most profitable in terms of the, you know, the business of making a video blog were not as interesting as the most interesting components, which were like, you know, creating an earth sandwich. You know, the, the audience actually... You should clarify made, what an yeah, earth sandwich so is. One of the things that, that I sort of challenged the audience to do was create a sandwich out of the earth. And that's when you take two pieces of bread and you put them directly opposite each other on the globe simultaneously. <laughs> and, you know, so... Uh, so Provided uh, provided a uh, little Google Google Maps hack where you could actually find uh, your latitude and longitude and the the opposite, and and it was you know appeared on a map and everything like that. Uh, the thing is that the U.S. is uh, across from the Indian Ocean, so like the U.S. is out of the equation completely at this point. And it, it was it was an amazing story because there, so there are these points in the world that make sense. So for example, the, the island of Fiji is across from uh, the African nation of Mali, and these two guys had called they not called they emailed the or it might have even been called they'd called the the the, 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 the the consulate in Mali and said here's what we want to do we want to make a sandwich out of the earth and. And the crazy thing was that the, the guy didn't even flinch. He was like, no problem, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> and right? people complain about corruption in the third world, right? <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I thought, thought that was like benefit. totally fair. Yeah, you know? totally. But so in the end, uh, a, a team did it between uh, New Zealand and Spain. And there's actually this wonderful video of a guy like running through a cow field with a GPS and a baguette. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like trying to get to that last. Uh, what's the, what's your favorite thing? What's your favorite like artifact or item or video or web thing that someone has sent into you? Like what what's really blown your mind? Oh, there have been you know that there there were so many uh, pieces of that. I, it's le- less like a you know a piece of media, but rather than uh, certain collections and the spirit around certain projects. There was this wonderful. I can't really explain the whole thing, but I found a piece of audio from the, the, that was done by this guy named Ray. And basically, what he had done was he had he had found uh, he had gotten a phone call from his daughter. And he didn't live in the same town, and he didn't know what to do, so he wrote her a song, and he sang it. And it went like, I'm about to kick some, whip somebody's ass. Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass. If you don't leave me alone, you're going to have to send me home, because I'm about to whip somebody's ass, right? So he sung it in this beautiful baritone voice, and I was so moved by this, right? I was just like, you know, this is what, and he said, I'm going to put it on the internet, so maybe it'll help you when you're having a rough day on your job. And I was like, this is exactly what this is all about. So I had, you know, I asked the audience, let's, I said, let's make him a present. Let's remix this song. And it was in B flat. I mean, the guy really knew how to sing. And uh, so they made this huge collection of uh, songs. And this one guy made a really wonderful professional recording. And then I was like, you know, I want to give it to him. But here's the problem. The only thing I knew is that his name was Ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And uh, it was incredible. The, the, the audience actually found him uh, within two weeks. And he was, he was a minister in St. Louis. And I went and flew uh, to St. Louis and handed him a CD and did a, a show, you know, where I kind of interviewed him and stuff like that. And that was, you know, there was something really, really sweet about that. And, and the what media were the was priorities there. that you had that you had to push aside uh, for when you were doing a show every day that over the past year you've been able to engage, you know, do something. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been shirking on boredom and anxiety, okay, good. which which has really come back into my life since then. 
Um, no, you know, I mean, doing anything like that affords a very kind of interesting relationship with creativity, right? You're, you're really flirting with the unknown because the, the show wasn't written. Uh, so every day I kind of had, had made a promise to myself that I was going to wake up and then just try to, like, go with, with whatever. So once in a while I'd write, like, a two or three words down that, that I was interested in. But uh, so, I, you know, it's a really – and we're here in the sort of mecca of – you know, improvisation and, and, and the, this sort of spontaneity of thought and becoming comfortable with that and, you know, trusting the moment in some sort of a sense. But really, you know, there's also a whole nother side uh, to, I would say, a fulfilling creative life, which is, you know, to think a little more deeply and, and, and sort of watch how things progress over time and, and building, you know, uh, things up. So that's been really nice. You were, your, your project was a, was a really big story and, uh, as you mentioned, came out of what was already some engagement with traditional media. Um, did you did you spend a lot of time after or during this project talking to people who were in traditional media? And did you do you feel like there's do you feel like there's something that you can do in in that space? Uh, yeah, I did. I did spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, I I kind of did that whole thing where you know uh signed with an agency and and kind of flew so they out want to hollywood you to like have and, lunch with a person oh totally you know and drink bottled water and uh, and you know lots of bottled water it's incredible i was never so hydrated in all my life um but yeah it was it, I mean, it's very very exciting and there is this kind of honeymoon period that you go through where you're meeting all sorts of interesting people and it just seems like you know like holy like, you know i'm gonna be famous and then you know a half a year goes by and um, no, it, I mean, I, I really do think that there's some opportunities. I'm, I, I did get a deal with uh, Universal to, to write a movie, and so I'm actually finishing that right now. Uh, I have a really wonderful writing partner on that uh, named Erica Rivanoia, who writes for South Park. And so that's been, you know, the the things that I want, you know, I really was looking forward to is collaborating with, you know, people who are amazingly good at storytelling and and you know the real traditional business of humor. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is internet prankster, idea man, and all-around good-time guy, Zay Frank. You've been working on this project lately called Color Wars, which is an internet version of the last day of camp, basically. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anybody's ever attended summer camp, but often... uh, Field day. uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. At the end of summer camp... Uh, in some cases, all your um, all your kind of hierarchical uh, associations are disbanded, and you're put onto teams uh, that are assigned a color. And all of a sudden, all, the only thing that's significant is your color, and then you participate in a series of somewhat. <laughs> some people arbitrary. call this the elections. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> Zay Frank, ladies and gentlemen. Um, tell me about why you started doing that. I mean, it feels like a great, it feels like a great place for this kind of Web 2.0, you don't have to do anything stuff. Not to be, I'm not putting it down. Um, <laughs> Zay's rubbing his forehead on the microphone now. I just feel very small in this couch. Yeah, I f- I'm really sorry about that. That is a small couch. I and mean, what, you know, what can you do at the end of the day, you know? So you get the couch you get. That's why grandfather that's always told me. <laughs> Hakuna Matata, baby. Yeah. Um, Con Jesus, Hakuna Matata. Well, 
yeah, yeah. So color wars, uh, you know, I mean, um, there, there's a few little components that were really interesting there. One is that, you know, I really do feel that the, the what's holding the, the web back in some sort of way is uh, a metaphor that people use for it, which is place-based, right? I mean, you go to Flickr to look at your Flickr photos, but really the real the strength right now is, is real distribution of media. And if you distribute media, you know, intensely and fully, then place can't really be the dominant metaphor anymore. So, you know, this, this idea of creating play spaces that are sort of mediated by personalities in some sort of way, you know, that you can move fluidly and play a game inside, uh, you know, Google Street View and then move out to another space and things like that, uh, you know, was an opportunity to play with, with, with breaking that down a little bit. And the other thing is I'm really interested in getting brands like companies involved directly in these kinds of games uh, to have the proximity between, you know, consumer and brands uh, shrink a little bit because I, I really do, f- I mean, you know, this is a capitalist society. We're not going to escape that relationship. And I think that, you know, good citizenry comes out of that proximity, you know, getting, getting JetBlue to sponsor a contest like this and then also judge it and talk to people that are, that are in- engaged in this kind of thing. Uh, so we did, yeah, we did a, a 600 person game of online bingo. We did a thousand person game of Rochambeau. Uh, we, we, the, the, the thing that really took off and is, is sort of been in magazines around the world now is, uh, something called Young Me Now Me, where I asked people to find, uh, pictures of themselves as children and then restage the photograph now. Um, which is, it's so, it's so sweet. I mean, I, you know, it almost breaks your heart because people went to great lengths. There's a wonderful picture. One of my favorite ones is a little boy sitting on his mom's lap. And then the other, you know, the other side of it is, this is a, you know, 35 year old big guy, you know, kind of crushing his elderly mom, like kind of like peeking out the side. But, you know, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of these photos and, and, and it really, you know, it's a, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. One of the weird things about the internet is that virality, which is one of the best ways to generate traffic, other than uh, other than you know having a big advertising budget or something like that, or just hanging around for a really long time, is very dependent upon having something that is instantly engaging and that you want to tell somebody about and that is something that you you have demonstrated just spectacular skill at i mean you can see like you can just say one of these ideas to our audience and the response is like enormous it's huge you know making an earth sandwich is like such a great fun thing you know you can feel like it's there's a current there but do you miss or feel bad to miss out on in being, uh, as you said, traffic or things that are not that way but may still have value? Things that, I mean, you know, if you say, like, I don't know, of mice and men, and I explained what, a, what happened in Of Mice and Men to an audience of people that didn't know what it was, it wouldn't mean very much to them. They couldn't click on it in the internet. And if they did click on it on the internet, they'd be unlikely to forward it to all their friends. <laughs> so, like, do you, do you, do you miss that? Do doing things that won't be traffic generators on on that kind of excitement level? Well, I think. I, I mean, I think it's a really great 
Great question. I, you know, I was just I was just part of this sort of uh, sort of think group uh, where they were bemoaning the kind of death of the of the long Russian novel. You know, and I, to some degree, like I absolutely, I you know, I, I kind of you know weep with them. Uh, but I will say that you know, culture, especially artistic culture, has been really you know carried out by a very very f- small slender portion of the population for a very, very long time. And, it, you know, when that happens, if you have a long period of time where, you know, there's kind of an intensity, a market, and, and some sort of, uh, you know, pedigree, you get this, like, very fascinating, rich, deep stuff. But it's it's not very accessible to a lot of people. So I, what I feel like is that, yes, absolutely, I am sacrificing, you know, time that could be spent on probably things that are much more, you know, rich and, uh, uh, you know, everlasting in some kind of a way. But right now, the opportunity that is afforded to us is to find emotional resonance across large uh, portions of the population. And then there's, and there's something that is inc- – I mean, you can do that with pornography and kitties. You know, there, there's that, and together, you know, I don't even yeah. know if it's been tried. But, but you know, I can't, so it would be like an atom bomb. Um, but – I, I really do think that you know there there's a there's a kind of a, a, a middle zone there of things that are emotionally resonant but also a little bit abstracted and and you know I can feel proud of in some sort of a way that aren't you know these these you know incredible manifestations of art and culture all wrapped together but you know this is we're sort of in the beginning but this is you know this is a social time and I, I liken it to a dinner party. You know, and you know nobody nobody's going to go to a dinner party where they regularly recite of mice and men, but you can have you can have dinner parties that are very emotionally resonant, and, and it's not so much about the content. A good conversation, you usually don't go home and write it down. You know, it's about two people uh, being able to follow each other contextually, follow each other, and feel uh, you know recognized and feel that somebody has sort of moved with them over time. And that's kind of the the, the play space that I think is is really interesting and important right now. Well, Zay, thank you so much for being on the San Diego America. It was thank so you. fun to have you. Thank you. You can find all of Zay Frank's internet fun time stuff at zayfrank.com. That's Z-E-Frank.com. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself, interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Our intern is Chris Bowman. Nick White in Chicago edited this week's show. Nick White edited this week's interview. My dog's name is Coco, and she's chewing out a bone. You can visit us online at MaximumFun.org, where you will find our forums and lots of other great stuff, including this week, video of our interview with Zay Frank. See all the visual jokes that Zay Frank made that we had to cut out of the audio version. And of course, if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me, jesse at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. (laughs) 